Hello and welcome to Fragmenters, the most entertaining podcast that I've found where you get to have a conversation with business women who are enthusiastic about life, work, and money. We love building up other women and getting them ready for their new careers. Cause, 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 no one can do it like we do it, like we do it, like we do it. Hello and welcome back my friends to Fragmenters. Today is a very big day because we have Kara Dennison. She said just introduce her as that, but I'm going to tell you that she is not only a badass at her business that she owns, but her short form video content is divine and if she can go viral in sweats on her knees changing her toilet paper roll, Anyone can. I just, not that, that she's not special, but she taught me that it doesn't matter what I do. It's fine. So with that, welcome, Kara. <laughs> Perfect intro. Perfect intro. <laughs> I, down in history. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. <laughs> I am beyond blessed and grateful. Thank you so much. It's a pleasure for sure. All right. So I told them a little bit about your content, but you're usually posting this content because of your work. So what do you, what do you do there? Um, contrary to uh, those who just found me on this podcast, <laughs> I do not work in the bathroom. <laughs> <laughs> um, I do some work in the bathroom. No, um, I am an executive career coach. I'm also a Forbes contributor. And what my mission is, my passion in life is, is really to help everyone, but specifically high achievers and leaders to live impactful lives, starting with their careers. Um, and that's what I do. So I help people find new jobs. And more importantly, I mean, not that it's more important, but along the way, we help people heal from burnout, live impactful lives, upskill, and really kind of recession-proof their careers by learning incredible skills to find jobs at any point in their in their career. So it's exciting. It really is. It is. And it is crucial for people who are listening to this podcast and they're like, oh, I guess I want a career move <laughs> and they can work with Kara. For but sure, yeah. <laughs> when I first heard about your business, um, I thought it was more for high earning and like only C-suite execs or something. But as I've watched your content, it's for everyone. So you, you have an correct me if I'm wrong. This is literally yours, not mine. (laughs) (laughs) You tell them, girl. (laughs) Right. But you have services where you can assist with a resume write-up. You can, uh, your tips on interview questions on reels. I don't ever plan to apply for another job for someone else, but I, every time they come out, watch those tips because the psychology behind the answers they're looking for is so intriguing. I'm so glad you said that and you picked up on that. Everything that I have put out online, um, and you're right, The one of my biggest pushes last year and into this year has been to make my strategies, my content accessible to everyone, right? And mm-hmm. everything that I do in my programs and my courses has a psychological persuasion backing to it. I... I love the way the brain works. I love psychological uh, stuff. I love human nature. I just, I love people and the way that they think and, and things like that. And so what my goal is, is really originally when I quit my corporate job, I was partnered with another career coach um, for a while. And that was through 2019 to, to the end of 2020, beginning of 2021. And we were really focused on directors, VPs, and executives. And I do have an unlimited coaching program that is for more of the six-figure and above people. Um, And so that's what I started for when I separated from that coach. But as the years went on, as last year went on and this year went on, it was a really big passion of mine to get my content out there for as many people as possible. My biggest philosophy for me is provide so much value that when people see it, they're like, wow, she's giving away this much value. How much more is it to work with her? Right. Mm -hmm. And that's been my, my philosophy. And so 
we have the unlimited coaching program. This is unlimited. People get to work with us one-on-one. We do take directors, VPs, and executives, but we also take manager management people. We take people who don't make six figures and we get them to six figures. Today alone, I had someone who is not making six figures, got an offer for for 50% more and she's well past six figures now. And that just lights me up, right? And then we also have another package where you can get your resume and LinkedIn done by my team. um, And we give you my course. And this course is literally everything that I have learned through HR, through helping thousands of people to have a strategic job search, to really advocate for yourself, to brand yourself in the job search, in your career, to answer interview questions, to network. And then we also sell the course alone. If you want to get all those strategies and you can use them and they're not just for executives, they're for anyone. Because at the end of the day, what I teach is how to, like I said, recession-proof your career, how to land the next job, but how to get any job after that. So the strategies that I teach are branding, they're networking, it's interviewing, it's how to tell your story, it's how to negotiate, it's all the things that you kind of wish you got taught in school. Yeah. <laughs> You're like, I got taught the mitochondria is the powerhouse of the cell. Wish I can negotiate my salary, but great. <laughs> um, so it's all that type of stuff. And I I break it all down into bite-sized chunks on uh, TikTok. And now we're putting it on Instagram and Facebook and things like that. So people can get the nuggets, but people can also get the full thing and everything behind it is for a reason. Now, is it going to work in every situation? No. I mean, that's why your job search, your career is unique to you and your experiences and your uh, companies that you're going after. But 80% of the strategies are going to work 80% of the time for sure. Yeah. That ups the odds for sure. I remember I'm going to tell an embarrassing story. When I moved here, I was making $17 an hour and I was divorcing my husband and it was just me and my two kids. So that was tough. And I was applying for all of the spots that made more money. And I just willy nilly going into these interviews. I remember at one, uh, it was a good fit. It was for the city, you know, so had good benefits, blah, blah, blah. But I really didn't care about the work. I was actually leaving work that I preferred to go back into something I didn't want, still IT related. And they asked, they asked me, why are you applying for this position? And I said, because of the benefits. (laughs) Hey, you were honest. I was honest to a fault. Let me ask you, did you get the job? I did not. (laughs) I didn't even get a second interview. (laughs) Oh, hey, you know, it all worked out for the better because here you are, right? Oh, it did for sure. It did. But see, these are the things you can avoid. I'm not even saying go hire Kara, but go hire Kara. But... (laughs) Just watch. I literally saw that reel the other day and I was like, oh my God, I wish I had this six years ago. (laughs) It is wild. I mean, the things that really light me up are, you know, I get messages on LinkedIn all the time, Instagram all the time. They're like, oh, I just, I just binged your content and I have an interview or I had an interview today and I just got to the next round or I just got an offer. And I'm like, man, this is so wild. And kind of how I view my product line versus my social media content is, yeah, you can, you can go binge all of these one minute videos, or you can buy the course and get it all there with all the PDFs, or you can work with us or all this other stuff. And, you know, or you can just go and try and piece it all together from Google and all these other places, right? You know, it. however it is, the job search is really tough. It's really mm-hmm. tough. And the traditional um, job search process of applying online through Indeed, I like to call it the Indeed Wishing Well, because you like, you take your resume in hand and you throw it down the Indeed Wishing Well and you (laughs) cross your fingers and you're like, come on, please. And you only have a two to 3% chance of landing an interview if that's your only strategy. And Mm -hmm. it's really devastating because we talk to people all day long who are broken, who are broken from that and unemployed or, you know, men who feel this pressure to support their family or women who are at home or wanting to make a, I mean, all of this stuff. And it's really, really tough and no one really talks about it. And so I'm just, I'm glad I get to talk about it and give other strategies and help people out. It's exciting. Yeah. Yeah. I love it, obviously. (laughs) 
So you said you came from corporate. Were you doing the same thing or were you doing something else? Good question. So I was in human resources in corporate. So um, I started out in human resources doing recruiting. And actually one of my uh, biggest projects in recruiting was to implement an applicant tracking system. So an applicant tracking system is that software that sits at the back end of those job boards. So when you, you know, take your resume and you're standing at the Indeed wishing well and you're like, okay, <laughs> come on resume. Um, and you submit it, what happens is these applicant tracking systems, they scan your resume and they compare your resume versus the job description that was posted. And so why this seems, and at the beginning when they first came up with the software, it was a good idea because it makes sense, right? You know, compare the resume to the job description. And yeah, the problem is, is that they are designed to help recruiters, not job seekers. Because the fact of the matter is, is that recruiters, they're recruiting for 20 different job requisitions. There's hundreds of people applying per job requisition, and they need a way to weed out all those people and get their eyeballs on resumes that are more uh, accurately fitting, right? Because there's a ton of people who, especially over the pandemic, were unemployed and just flooding all of those job requisitions. So that's what happens. The problem is, is that as a job seeker, right, on the other side, you're sitting there and you're submitting your resume, you're hoping. The problem is, is that, that we don't know what applicant tracking system you're up against. So there's an issue with that. The other thing is that recruiters can do little tricks like put secret keywords in there that you don't know is in there. Mm -hmm. So if you're trying to play that game, right, of matching your resume to the keywords, you still might be losing that game. And then the, the third thing is, is that usually those job descriptions are written by someone in human resources or the recruiter. And why that's a problem is because the recruiter is really good at recruiting. Human resources is really good at human resources. They're not good and they are not experts at what you do. The people who know what you do is the decision maker, the hiring manager. And so what is a better way to go about that is if you do make it through, you apply, you beat the robot, you get to talk to a recruiter. Now you have to explain your value to a recruiter who doesn't understand what you do. It's a broken process. It's really frustrating. And so <laughs> what we do is we kind of take you out of the process. We brand you towards the next step of your, your career. We showcase all of the amazing results and things that you have done uh, in your career. And then we teach you how to get in contact with the decision maker, the hiring manager, the people who actually know what you do, right? And then we also teach you the, the skills, like how to network, how to advocate for yourself, how to interview, and how to negotiate so that you're getting employee referrals instead, which has a 15 times more likely chance of an interview. And you can really tell your story to the people who can actually hire you. Right. Process. Man, as a lead, I had no idea, or until I was a lead, I had no idea how it's wild, right? Silly the system is. is. I'll put it mildly. It's we've lost incredible applicants because the way it was written wasn't understood by the people that read it before us. And we're like, no, I literally said this person's applying. They're like, they didn't meet the requirements. Like, yes, yes, they did. <laughs> They're like, Isn't no, they did. Yeah. Right. Especially but, IT, right? Yeah. Right. But you don't know what you don't know. So yeah. one of my favorite things is common sense isn't common. And oh, that's, that's, right. that's definitely one of the uh, one of the struggles in that. I didn't know that they, so you just worked on that application and made it more efficient or you? Yeah, so, oh man, I got off the tangent again. So yeah, no, so, no. <laughs> I do that a lot. Um, so, I mean, not a lot, but I get passionate about the job search. So yeah, in human resources, I did that with recruiting. I implemented the applicant tracking system. And then I just advanced in human resources. I did, I implemented an onboarding system. I implemented a performance management system. A system. I did leadership training. I grew a company uh, double its size in three years. I yeah. hired a team. I mean, it was really incredible, all the stuff that I got to do in human resources. Um, as things do in, in corporate settings, leadership changed um, and mm -hmm. it turned really toxic for me. I also had things that I did not deal with on my own, like um, didn't know how to set boundaries, was a super people pleaser, workaholic. And so I was promised promotions that never came. I worked really hard for them and I burnt myself out. 
and I ended up in the hospital. And it wasn't really until a doctor told me, uh, yeah, you have been having migraines. I had a six week long migraine and I got all the tests, MRIs, all that other stuff. And a doctor said, yeah, there's nothing wrong with you. Like it's stress related. If you don't do anything differently in your job, like you can't be working seven day a week, 16 hour days. And I'm like, I'm good. Like, I just need to pay my bills. Like just stop me hurting. And he's like, no, you have to change things. And so I had a recently gotten married. Um, I was in a job search because I knew it was toxic. I was doing all the things that I tell people not to do right now. <laughs> going to the Indeed wishing well, like all of the stuff. And um, I got rejected on my honeymoon. Like it was, it was awful. And hopefully um, by a job. No, by a job. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good one. By a job. Um, and it was tough. And so finally, you know, I was writing resumes for people on the side, helping my friends and family get jobs. But I just like, for some reason, just couldn't take my own advice. And I asked my husband, I was like, what if I just quit? Like, what if I just did these resumes on the side? What if I, you know, got some part-time jobs and did this and he was like, well, you're, you're kind of killing yourself now anyways. And so I quit and I did it. And the rest is history. Here we are. I mean, there's a lot more, but I was like, <laughs> and that's it. But yeah, I, <laughs> so I was with another coach and we, we helped a ton of people in 2019 and 2020. I helped 734 people get jobs in 2020, which is incredible during the pandemic. Um, and it was great. And I was partnered with him for about a year and a half or two years, actually. And then, you know, partnerships dissolve for one reason or another. He made some choices that I didn't agree with. And so Jack, my husband and I split off and we created our program and our packages that feel a lot more holistic. And yeah, it was really great. And interestingly enough, if, if you want to keep talking about it, uh, at the beginning of this year, I suffered another burnout session. So mm-hmm. one of those things, right? Lessons will always repeat until you learn them is something that I um, have been learning. And uh, as hopefully does, this time, hopefully this time <laughs> the last time, um, but yeah, I burn out again. So some of those habits that I carried from corporate, I brought into my own business. And so, yeah, I burnt out at the beginning of this year. I ended up in the hospital again with other medical issues. And this time I couldn't quit couldn't quit. I didn't want to quit. I right. loved what I did. Right. And, but this time I was still working 16 hour days, seven days a week, but this time it was out of passion because I really love what I was doing. I was, I was filming TikToks. I was posting between five to seven TikToks a day. And that's my job. <laughs> right. You're like, I, I was watching plus doing my job. Plus I didn't have any other team. It was just me and my husband and it got, it got overwhelming. And I did not learn the lessons that I should have learned in corporate, which it is what it is. And so I quickly had to make some changes or else my business would have closed. So I hired a team. I hired a marketing team. I hired a coach and I actually hired a, a coach that specializes in burnout too. And I had her help me heal and learn some lessons. And she now helps my clients heal because a lot of my clients come to me burnt out and frustrated and reworked a lot of things, delegated out, had to trust my team, learn how to be a leader, lead through burnout, lead through vulnerability. And, um, it's been incredible. It has really been incredible. And I learned a lot of incredible lessons and my clients are thriving. I'm thriving. My team is thriving and my business is thriving. So yeah, it's been incredible. That's, and that brings us to today. (laughs) Well, something that stuck with me that you just said, I wanted to point out, and I think you're not giving yourself enough credit and it's something that we all do probably way too much. And that is, you said that you didn't learn your lesson the first time and you burnt yourself out again. But as an outsider looking in, the first time you burnt yourself out is a need to keep this job from someone else. So you did learn that lesson. In in my eyes, you were never going to make let someone else make you kill yourself. Yeah. So the new lesson I feel like you had to learn was that you still have to pace yourself even when it's something you love. Yeah. Like chocolate cake. Yeah. Yeah. You, you can eat a whole chocolate cake. <laughs> but there is so much. It's so true. <laughs> right? There is so much that happens afterwards. Yeah. You just feel awful. You could be sick, blah blah blah, and it your whole body rejects it for days because you went into sugar overload. So you can do it. 
but you probably need those boundaries with yourself. So I feel like you probably learned two different lessons. Oh, girl, I've learned a ton of lessons <laughs> this year. I mean, I feel like I have been in a university of life this year, but you're right. It, that's, you're absolutely right. And um, it's just been very, very interesting. This whole year has been life-giving, mm-hmm. but it's true what you say about you can burn yourself out in any way whether it's in corporate, whether it's in your business, whether it's doing something that you love. And for me, if it's okay that we take it in the burnouts <laughs> direction. Oh yeah. Well, I actually did want to bring up that I love that you have your your whole work until recently was getting people a job and now you threw in a burnout coach and I was like, that's fucking phenomenal. That's yeah. phenomenal. So I would love for you to talk about yeah. it. I mean, for me, what I've realized is you know, we can get people a job, right? And we, we're we great at that. But if we're getting people a job and they're like panting for water water at the end of a marathon before they start on their first day, what's the point? Mm-hmm. What's the point, right? And for me, and everyone is entitled to their own life and whatever they subscribe and that's fine. But I was subscribed to the hustle culture. And for for me, that was because of some trauma responses and Mm -hmm. that's okay. And that's okay. And I had to work through that. My trauma responses were, I had to be a perfectionist. I had to be a people pleaser. And it was, it was driving me. It was driving me. And I didn't know why until I had the time to sit at, or I had to stop. Right. (laughs) I had to stop and I had to think and had to really dig deep and figure out why, why am I needing to be so perfect? Why am I needing to always achieve? I mean, even if you look in the back of my Zoom, I have my trophies behind me and achievement and success were always the main drivers of my life. And it really, it really took a toll. It took a toll on my body. And I didn't know why until I sat down, I rested, I looked at it and started reframing what success looked like for me. Because eventually, if success and achievement is your goal, your goalpost is always moving. Mm -hmm. It's always moving. And I just had this conversation with a client today about imposter syndrome, right? And I've talked about this before. Imposter syndrome for high achievers, for me, what I've learned is it's easy to have imposter syndrome when you're a high achiever because you never celebrate your successes. So when you are working so hard for a goal, or for something to achieve, it almost feels impossible. You're like, okay, I'm focused on this goal. It'll never happen, but I'm going to work towards it. I'm going to work towards it. It's going to go. It's going to go. I'm going to go. And you're always focused on that goal. And then when you get it, it almost feels like it's not real, right? Because you've been working for it for so long. And then when you get it, you're like, no way, no way did I get that. I don't belong here because I've been working for it for so long. Do I really belong here? And you start looking around and you're like, do other people believe that I belong here? And then you pick another goal because you're so used to working towards something that you don't celebrate that you even just achieved it. You just keep going. You go to another one. At least that was it for me. Right. Yeah. And so I would have this imposter syndrome and I'd be like, I don't, I don't belong here. I don't deserve this. I got to keep working. I got to get something else so I can prove that I deserve to be where I'm at, but I'm always moving the goalpost. Right. So I started redefining success because my mom actually asked me, and it was the day that I got diagnosed with a tumor. Um, It's benign. I'm okay. But um, my dad had a tumor when, um, and that's through complications is how he ended up passing away. And so it's something that I was really all my life. I was always dreading the day that I would get a doctor (laughs) calling me saying you have a tumor, right? And it happened. Mm -hmm. And my mom called me and I hadn't told her yet, but she asked me, she's like, why are you working so hard? Like, why are you working so hard? Is it because you want me to be proud of you? Cause I'm proud of you. Like, what is it that you want? And I mean, I have mommy issues, so that felt really good, but still. <laughs> um, and the first thing that came to my mind is I want to be the best. I want to be the best. And it's like, why? The best of what? Right the best of what? Like, who am I competing with? Right. And it was that moment that it really kickstarted my healing journey. And I have a a post-it note written down on my, uh, my desk right here. It says, I want to be the best version of me. 
Yes. And I started redefining success that day. And I started taking rest as something for me as productive Mm -hmm. because I felt all my life I had to be productive and rest felt really lazy, right? Like, do you ever, I I don't know, you're a high achiever, right? Do you ever feel like when you're scrolling or if you're like, just kind of like lounging out before bed and you happen to just be kind of, I don't know, fucking around, right? And you're like, oh man, I should be doing something because I'm just like being lazy here. Have you ever had that feeling? Oh, I had it all the time before extensive trauma therapy. I know exactly (laughs) what you're talking about. (laughs) Okay, so I had that too, right? And anytime that I would be resting, I would, like I couldn't actually rest. Like I'd be laying there, but my mind would be like, you're a piece of shit, you're lazy, like you should be doing something like, fuck you, like da 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 And I'm like, mm-hmm. why am I talking to myself like this? Like, this is terrible. And it wasn't really until, you know, I had a really good team around me that was like, that helped me reframe it. And I finally got to this point of where I need to rest. I have to rest because my body is shutting down. Yeah. And when I finally did rest, my Monday through Fridays got to be super fucking amazing my client interactions were better. I was better. My creativity was better. Mm -hmm. I started having really great talks with people. I started changing lives. I started being vulnerable with what was going on in my life. And I started transforming other people's lives. It was incredible. And it started, I, I mean, I've had so many downloads and so many lessons over the last few months, but it started me really realizing that my time is finite. I only have a little bit to give. I need to be selfish with my time. I'm the first person I need to please. I can't please other people if I don't please myself first. So I need to fill my cup and that's important. And I need to prioritize that first Mm -hmm. so that my quality can be top notch because before I was giving and giving and giving. And if I had a crumb left, I would give it to myself and my quality, it was shit. Yeah. I mean, it wasn't, it wasn't, let's be real. I was a perfectionist. It was still good, but like, (laughs) (laughs) it was, it felt draining. It felt draining and it was really a huge lesson. And so now I do, I block off my calendar. Rest comes first. Half day date nights on Friday with Jack comes first. I will do work on the weekends if I have to, but I really don't want to. Mm -hmm. Um, Because I know that when I am in the chair, I, I intermittent fast. So I don't eat until um, like six thirty, seven o'clock at night. So from seven to six, Monday through Thursday, I am on and I give good, but then I am off. You right. Know? Yeah. yeah. That is such a good thing. And I talked about it. I think it was on someone else's podcast. So <clears throat> I'll bring it up here because not everyone's heard it. Yeah. Um, one of the things I was asked how it is working with Nick. Yeah. Because oh, we, we live to yeah, <laughs> we live together, we work together. And I told her, I think it was actually worse when we worked together at our corporate job mm-hmm. because he was not I I'm still working for the same people. I had a much different experience than him. And it was killing him. Literally, he was never on medications for anxiety, depression, anything until the last couple months of that job. It it was getting to him. So we had a rule that we would come home and we had 15 minutes. That's we it. had 15 minutes to bitch about work. Yeah. And then after that, we would nicely, if one kept going, if because sometimes it's me too. Yeah. Um, if one kept going, we'd just be like, babe, our 15's up. And that was a gentle reminder to shut the fuck up and turn it off. (laughs) But I feel like now that we work together and it's our businesses, it's a lot easier to shut off, which you would think it would be different, but we don't have the external pressures of other people's expectations. And we know we work our asses off and we surpass our own expectations. So we're able to just shut her down when, when it's time. It's tough. It's tough being, Jack and I call it double married. Yes. (laughs) It's tough being double married. And that is something, you know, especially as you're building a business and things like that, like it's really tough because we fall into it. Like, you know, when things come up, we have chats about work or whatever, but we do something now, whenever we sit down again, we intermittent fast again, not for everyone, but when we, 
blah, blah, blah. <laughs> but whenever we talk, uh, sit down for dinner, our meal, we ask ourselves like, Hey, is there anything you want to talk about? So I say it. And then he says, is there anything you want to talk about? And that's like our time to really download and get whatever off the chest. Because once dinner is done, that's like our veg time. That's our rest time. That's our connection time. Right. And yes, I love that. I love your 15. I think that's, that's great. I wish I had that in corporate because man, whew, you could talk about your corporate. <laughs> well, <laughs> and that's whatever, forever. <laughs> that's why we finally had to do it because we weren't getting through. Uh, we would like super fast. We have this, we call it the game at dinner. And I started it when my kids were young and it was when they were hitting the point of just being inside and starting to hide things, not to hide things, but just not being as open to communicate. So it started with, we had to say best part of our day, worst part of our day, and something, something we learned. And when Nick and I got together, it's a non-negotiable. We have to play the game. And he added to it gratitude. So we started with what we're grateful for. And then at the end, um, what, what you wish. Just like it can be something like, I wish Papa was still here. Or it could be like, I wish that I could teleport. You know, just whatever it is. I so, love that. Oh my gosh. It is a game changer. Yes. And we've done it. Like the teenagers have brought their friends to dinner. And I'm like, I'm sorry, guys. I know it's embarrassing, but they have to join. Mm-hmm. <laughs> They're like, I love that though. When I grew up, my dad used to do the best and worst, like best and worst, best and worst. And so that just, I love the expanded version, the expanded pack. Yes. <laughs> I love it. Well, I love it because. We did it one time, Nick's sister came to dinner or no, we were at her house and we still did the game with our youngest and she started doing it with her grandkids now. That's so cute. It passed along. I want to start. Exactly. <laughs> so um, we were getting to the point where we were rushing through that just so that we could gripe. And I was like, that is a hundred percent defeating the yeah. purpose. We were at, obviously in a space where we needed some outlet but after implementing the 15 minutes it it saved saved us not that we were mad at each other but just being surrounded by negativity all the time is is heavy I get that yeah so you I'm assuming you've already shared your uh biggest obstacles in your career yeah I mean lots of obstacles (laughs) yeah (laughs) but that's I mean, burnout is a big obstacle. I would say myself is a big obstacle. I mean, Mm. yourself is always going to be a big obstacle. Um, I recently found out, um, or I I haven't been diagnosed, but I'm through my own research. I'm finding out that I probably have ADHD. Oh, 100% Uh, me. Yeah. I have a fidget. I (laughs) cannot sit still. Yes. (laughs) Can't do it. Also, I I was tested when I was a kid and then um, was right on the cusp of having it. My my mom was like, well, that's good enough for me. I don't need a second opinion. Uh, (laughs) I'm like, wish wish you had. Uh, And, uh, you know, I had panic, depression, anxiety for a very long time. There were times when I first started my business where I had four hour long panic attacks. It's been tough. Failing losing $60,000 in three weeks from, you know, I mean, I've had a lot of setbacks, but how I, how Jack and I really look at this is we've recently at the beginning of this year adopted a win or learn mentality and why this has been a huge mindset shift for us is, you know, with that imposter syndrome, with the the goal posts and, and things like that. And with how I like to say, I'm a recovering perfectionist is you either win, you either, yeah, I did it. You win. And then celebrating with that win, right? Mm -hmm. Celebration is so important because with high achievers, instead of, you know, the, the missing part of that goal post post moving is the celebration part. Like, Hey, you freaking did it. Like celebrate it. Right. And cement it in. So we celebrate now and then the learn, right. And the problem is, is whenever we make mistakes, whenever we have failures, whenever we have all of this other stuff, especially when we have brains that work against us or have, you know, anxiety or depression or whatever, or just trauma, what, just living this life, we tend to be ourselves. We're the harshest critics. 
It's yeah. so tough. But the fact of the matter is, is you're the only person who's going to be with you from the very beginning to the very end. You've got enough people out there trying to take you down. Like, yes. why are we doing it ourselves? And so when I switch to the learn mentality, whenever we make a mistake, now I've kind of trained my mind and we do this for each other too. It's like, okay, hey, that happened. All right, great. What can we learn from it? How mm-hmm. can we take it so that we we don't have to do this next time? And now there's a little bit of this gratitude portion to it too. So whenever we fuck up, it's almost like, awesome, great. What can we learn from this? I'm so grateful. I don't have to do this again. Like, you know, (laughs) and it sounds a little goofy, but it does. It kind of puts you into this goofy mindset where you're like, okay, great. It's not that big a deal. You know? Yeah. Yeah. I I have taken that with, oh, sorry, go ahead. No, it's a long way from going like, man, you're a fuck up, man, you suck. Like, wow, you're such a shithead, you know, of where my brain used to go. So yeah. Um, I am working with a therapist right now on my eating disorder and I've gotten myself to a place. And when you said that you're the only person that's there forever, that's where we've gotten me on my body issues. So when I feel myself spiraling in that regard, I think the same thing, you know, I come back and I'm like, thank you. You are literally the only thing that has been with me through everything. You got me through this divorce. You got me through moving states. You got me through losing jobs and best friends and my parents. And mm-hmm. thank you. And it's it's like a, I think it's even better than neutrality because I've heard of body positivity, negativity and negativity and neutrality, but it's just a gratitude. Yeah, that has been extremely important for me. So 2019 at the end of 2019 um we moved to here which is the middle of nowhere mm-hmm. and uh for me i mean literally I live in a town of 500 people i have no food delivery no no restaurants no nothing so when we moved here and jack and i have just been talking about this we realized we switched and i'm just now realizing this i realized mm-hmm. i switched from letting life consume me to starting to consume life so what do i mean by that i mean that Prior, I I had really unhealthy coping mechanisms. I was numbing out a lot, you know, mm-hmm. just Netflix and numbing and drinking and smoking, whatever. And also just allowing myself to be a passive member in my life, right? Like advertisements came, you know, pop up of Starbucks. Great, I'm getting Starbucks in the morning, like whatever, right? And so all of this stuff and also being the people pleaser and the perfectionist, whatever my boss wanted, great. I would jump and do whatever friends wanted to do. Okay, sure. No problem. Like all of a sudden I realized I just was not the driver's seat of my life. Yeah. When I moved here, we, we had to start taking an active role in our own lives because we had to start cooking our own meals. We had to start doing this. Right. So anyways, we ended up switching to intermittent fasting again for me, blah, blah, blah. And it's the reason why is because you know, for me, I had a lot of anxiety issues that presented in nausea. So I don't like the physical act of eating, but I was doing it to numb out. Um, right. So anyways, I started losing weight as one does when you, you don't eat all day anymore. And I started hating myself in different ways. Mm-hmm. Isn't that funny? You know, your brain just finds ways to hate yourself. And, um, so I started losing weight and I started hating myself for different ways. Like man, now my boobs are sagging and now my stomach is just different in a different way. And now my butt looks different and wow. Okay. And finally I was just so sick of it. Like, cause now I was so, being more present in the moment. Cause I had less distractions. Cause I wasn't in a city. I was in the country and I looked in the mirror one day and I was like, I'm done with this. I'm so done with this. Like I was so used to advertisements, TV, Netflix shows, my friends, my family, everyone talking about how much they hate themselves and how they mm-hmm. have to look like everyone in the in the magazines, right? Yeah. And I'm like, why am I doing this to myself, right? And Jack and I, you know, we can we can talk <laughs> any sort of way, but it's almost like your brain is is taking in information no matter what. Yes. So your brain is processing and sort of to use a, a more like woo whatever word, it's brainwashing itself with the information that you're feeding it right if you read a book and you're like oh my god i i believe that now like all of a sudden great that book sort of brainwashed you to believing this one thing right Mm -hmm. in a in a very 
extreme way to say it, right? right. So I was like, you know what? Fuck this. I'm going to brainwash myself into loving myself. And that's what I did two years ago. And so every time I looked in the mirror, every time I was naked, every time I was in the shower, I would grab the parts of my body that were changing and I would thank it. I'd be like, okay, but thank you so much for being bootylicious, right? Or, <laughs> you know, and then I would grab my stomach and even for serious stuff, I'd be like, stomach, thank you so much for protecting me. Because when I was raped, I felt like I needed a level of protection between mm-hmm. me and the rest of the world. And that's what you provided me. Thank yeah. you but I don't need you anymore. And so as you get smaller, I will still love you. Thank you. But if you get smaller, that's okay too. Legs, thank you so much for carrying me because I'm so glad that I get to walk and I feel strong when I, you know, use you all those things. Right. All of a sudden, I feel like I had a glow up over the last two years. Like, I feel like I look prettier. I feel like I look stronger and I feel good. And when I say these things, I'm really grateful and gratitude. I, I talk nice to myself. Mm Mm-hmm. And it becomes easier to talk nice to myself and it's not anything special. I don't do anything like that, but I had someone ask me like, do you think that you can be happy all the time? And I said, yeah. And it was from, and it shocked me because I spent all of my life up until 33 wanting to not be alive anymore. Yeah. And I, and I genuinely feel like I'm happy all the time. And it's because I, I fed my brain with with information to to jokingly brainwash myself yeah to feed it with information that I wanted to hear that was good for me to crowd out the airways of what other people were telling me that is so awesome and it gives me hope because I'm just starting that process so (laughs) it's incredible it's incredible therapy helps having good coaches having good therapists having all those things medication all of it whatever you need but you are the only person with you for all of your life so be your best friend. Don't be your enemy, you know? Right. Well, and having a best friend in a healthy relationship where you can talk about everything, he very nicely can point out, hey, you're being a bitch to yourself. Like, you would never say this shit to me or anyone else. So excuse me, Dina, but you're upsetting me with the way you're talking about yourself. No, he wouldn't say I was being a bitch. You know, that was definitely an exaggeration. (laughs) No, but but that's how it started for me and Jack, because mm -hmm. I, uh, he used to say, I love you so much. And I was like, really? And he Mm -hmm. was like, yeah. (laughs) And I'm like, even with all this acne and he's like, yeah. And I was like, even with this fat and he's like, Kara, why? Why are you doing this? And I'm like, what What do you mean? And he's like, you're literally giving me reasons not to love you. Like, why are you putting that in my head? Right. And I said, what do you mean? And he's like, I love you for you. Like, I love you so much. You are beautiful. And you are giving me reasons. You're filling my brains with reasons not to love you. Why? And it like, clicked for me and I'm like why am I trying to talk this man out of loving me this is crazy (laughs) and then I'm like why do I do that to myself yeah it's wild right yes I know this is a business podcast but I know we we went on like a whole tangent I'm like and then hire me for your job search no but seriously like well without us we can't be in business and that the only way to have a healthy relationship with your business is you have to have a healthy relationship with yourself. So I'm not sorry for our team. I'm not sorry <laughs> at all because Jack and I are so passionate about this. And I will tell you like to kind of bring it full circle, Jack and I love the people that we work with. Like mm-hmm. we celebrate them. Like we are so thrilled and we get to watch them from our screens, like on zoom change their lives because Every one of the people who do invest with us in like the unlimited coaching program where they get to work with us one-on-one, every one of them has a moment in their job search where in the first call, they come to us and we ask what their limiting beliefs are, right? They, we ask them what their fears are in their job search. I want to know. I want to know. And most of the time they're like, I don't think anyone's going to want to talk to me. I don't think anyone wants to network with me. I don't think I have a good enough, you know, education. I don't think I have mm-hmm. enough, whatever. And then I ask them to reframe it. And if they don't know how we reframe it together. And the reason why is because the job search is hard, but I want to know right up front how well you can reframe when things get hard. And I want you to look back on those fears and have a reframed powerful statement so that when those fears creep up, you can look at the powerful statement and be like, 
I will know how to network and people want to talk to me, right? But the cool thing is, is that every single one of them, we also have a saying, like every everyone has a saying, and this isn't a new one, but if you believe it works, it works. And if you don't, it won't. Right. And everyone who believes that it works has a moment and it shifts and their whole person shifts. They start becoming confident in who they are. Like, and it's not just in the job search, their whole person changes. Right. And they're like, I know what I'm worth in the, in the marketplace. I know what I'm working worth in my career. And I know that if I get rejected, I know, I know how to generate more opportunities. And it's a freaking beautiful thing to watch and it's transformative. And so this is why I think even though we didn't talk about job, we did a little bit, but our careers or whatever, this is why it's so important because Jack and I, we talk about job search, we talk about careers, but at the end of the day, I want everyone to have an fulfilling and impactful lives and I want them to love their careers and I want them to love themselves, you know? Oh yeah. yeah. Do you, do you feel that you have more of either sex having the issues of the imposter syndrome and not wanting to be in the room or are you seeing this from everyone? So I've done a lot of research on imposter syndrome. I can tell you what the studies say versus what I see. But the studies say that more women suffer from imposter syndrome than men. And absolutely more people of color suffer than than anyone who is Caucasian. The reason why is because of the fact that they already have things that they're working up against, right? Societal, you know, mm-hmm. issues and whatever. So literally today I had a first session with someone in our coaching program who is a white man who mentioned imposter syndrome being one of their number one fears. So what I have come to realize, and I've, I've helped thousands of people and I've talked about imposter syndrome on stage, on podcasts. I've, I've talked about it a lot. I feel like the only people who don't have imposter syndrome are imposters because they know that they're faking it. They do. And, um, I think the only other people who don't have imposter syndromes are those who really just don't care where they're going. They just don't care. Obviously I think women. Yep. I think I heard you. I think I heard you on one of your podcasts say that too. Uh, So Dina just showed me a a sign that where it says imposters are the only ones who don't feel imposter syndrome. Yep. Um, But I think just overwhelmingly, it's it's probably more common in women than it is in men. However, I will say, I listened to a couple episodes of your podcast. I want to, I do not want to give men a lot of credit here, but (laughs) um, (laughs) I do work with men and women. I love women empowerment. I want to support women. I don't think women ask enough for money. Mm-hmm. Um, I think men go after jobs more often than women. I have seen that over and over again. I will say that there is a subset of men out there that are very similar to my husband. I think your husband's similar to this as well. The men that are sensitive, the men that are supportive, the men that have deep feelings, the men that are comfortable with their feelings, the men that want to support their wives, the men that are really passionate about career advancement, the men that also feel imposter syndrome, the men that are vulnerable and authentic. And I don't think it's talked about a lot out there very often. And I don't think that they're supported very often, but I will say we are very lucky that the men in our coaching program tend to be those types of men. Um, cause my husband is that type of man. Um, and I really want to see more of those types of men in leadership instead of the other types of men that are more alpha and aggressive and just not woke at all. <laughs> But more than anything, women, obviously women, I want to see in leadership positions, because um, I know one of the questions you sent me is, should women be in this industry? Now, my industry is a unique industry. I'm a career coach. There are tons of women in career coaching. There's tons of women in HR, but I want to talk about leadership. I'm a CEO, right? Right. I want women in leadership. And I think more women need to be in leadership. And the reason why is because women are strategic. They are, they think of the big picture and they think of the small, tiny details. Women are vulnerable and they're authentic and they care about people on a professional and a personal level. And I think men can do that too. It's just not as ingrained. It's more taught. 
women need to be at the table. They need to be at the table. They need to be asking for more money. And I think men and women work really well together. I think my husband and I work really well together. Those types of men, not the, you know what I mean. And absolutely, we need more women at at leadership positions for sure. Yeah. And it's funny, my husband, when we started dating, he was like, you're not one of those feminist women, are you? And I was like, absolutely, I am. Yes, I am. (laughs) (laughs) And after a few years, we were having a conversation and he's like, "Um, (laughs) yeah, no, he did. He was like, I think because of course there is opposite spectrum. So he was thinking the most radical of feminists that actually hate men and just, Mm -hmm. um, but feminism for how I feel it is. He was like, I think that I didn't like feminism because I'm a feminist and I didn't know other people thought differently. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. (laughs) He's like, in my experience, I'm I'm great with female leads and I'm great with this. And I've never seen a man do and say the things that you've told me you'd experienced at work. He's like, I didn't know that existed. So I didn't see it because I think like you and didn't know there was another option. (laughs) I think that's the sad thing is the law of polarity, right? Is far so often we, we think about the extremes. Like when I think about like, well, when I think about men in general, I, I mean, I know that there's a, a range just like there is a women, but when I think of feminists, I again, think of me and you, but like, right. you know, when people think of feminists, it's like, whoa, man hating, da, da, da. and then when I think of like men, I think of like, you know, hates women, you know, right. don't want to see him in an alley, you know, jockhead, you know, all this other stuff, but there's this beautiful range right in the middle, like right in the middle. And it's interesting because I find that Jack and I are very similar to that because I brought to the marriage a lot of masculine energy, like a lot of masculine traits. He brought a lot of feminine and it's not, there's not anything wrong with that. It's not like he was girly or anything like that. He was just sensitive and soft and I was more drive and ambition and all of these things. And I think that maybe that's what I need to say, masculine and feminine energy. It's just the different energies. And I think that one of the things that I've been learning this this year is that too much masculine energy or too much feminine energy, it's it's almost like an imbalance. It's those scales, mm-hmm. right? And we as humans, when we can integrate more of the feminine and masculine energies within ourselves, it becomes more, just more balanced. It becomes more harmonious, you know? Yeah, for sure. I actually was listening to a podcast or something like that on the way here. And it I don't know, but the the guy who was speaking is one of those meathead, super macho dudes, and he was like, I do this, and I take vitamins, and I was talking to my therapist, not a coach. I was <laughs> well, talking see, to my therapist with, like, a doctor, and he told me about this, and I was like, yes, yeah. yes, it's happening. <laughs> I really feel like we're in a good age. Like I just, I feel like there's enlightening happening. I mean, yes. I don't know, age of Aquarius or something like that, because it's just, I think it's good. And I, but I just think that women need to be, you know, promoted to more leadership roles for sure. For sure. Literally I'm why I'm help. here. Yeah. yeah. Literally, literally. Why we're both here, right? Yep. Yes, <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. So I'm going to ask you a really tough question because you have given us so many good nuggets of wisdom, but now I need to know what is the best advice you've ever received? I wrote down a couple of pieces of advice. I'll take them all. Okay. (laughs) So a few different pieces of advice is that piece of advice, um, pieces of advice that I have received, um, that have really stuck with me recently done is better than perfect. Yes. Done is better than perfect. That has been a a mantra of mine for years because there's no such thing as perfect. There's just not. This is a really good one. If you are going to actually, this is a good one, no matter what, especially if you're an entrepreneur, if you're on social media at all, ever others, other people's thoughts are none of your business. They're none of your business. Who cares? They're none of your business. And most likely they're not thinking of you anyways. Right. 
And then the final one, and this has been like a resounding lesson for me this year, is you can't force a flower to grow faster by beating it with a hammer. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> it's funny, but it's true. It's true. And that one has been a really big one for me. And that one is is reminiscent for me about rest and hustle culture and things like that, or or trying to rush things or trying, you know. There's something about timing and you just can't force a flower to grow faster by beating it with a hammer. Yeah. yeah. I love that so much. Just, I, I've not ever heard it put that way. I love it, <laughs> but I find myself, Nick and I are insane. I told him today we were having a little powwow at lunch and he had a really rough day and I was like don't forget you have he's on a bowling league I was like don't forget you have bowling tonight he's like we have too much and I'm like hmm. we have started two businesses and my podcast which I think of as a third business with how much time goes into it we've started three businesses in less than a year wow that's, that's I'm like yeah, I'm like, Nick, one of these endeavors is hard for most people. And we're doing three of them. Yeah. I was like, so I know you're stressing about this. And I know you want to get this done. And we will. But it takes time. We've had the dry cleaner for two months. That's it. Mm -hmm. Two months. And we've already seen substantial changes, not only with... um we're, we're starting to have more people come in. We've made physical improvements. Like we put stuff on the van that has decals and we've really cleaned up on the inside and we're remodeling the laundromat and stuff, but the culture and the people two months and they are night and day different. Wow. So That's I'm cool. like, I, I'm really proud of that fact. And Good. I would. I will brag not humbly all day long. <laughs> you deserve to brag away. That's amazing. But I, I'm like, you really have to, not only do you have to slow down because you will just trample that flower, like you said, Yeah. but that's the only way you'll see the wins. And I love that you talked at the beginning of this, how we don't stop and look at those, like the really big ones we do celebrate today. We got our first contract win <gasps> I know <laughs> Congratulations! That's we, amazing. and I mean of course we're telling all our family and our family of choice and we're just like we just got our first contract bid we're so excited because it, it's good and we want to help the community there are many ways that are coming that we're going to help the community but for consistent income to ensure that we can stay B2B, business to business, making sure we have enough of those contracts will make it so that we can help the community more. So the first bid we put in and one, one of them that was requesting it called and talked to Nick and he was like, well, you know, the bidders before had it, it was a dollar cheaper than what you're offering. Can you lower it? And Nick was like, he, he is very much similar to me. He was like shitting his pants. Like I told them, no, he's like, no, you want to have pickup and delivery every week, blah, blah, blah. And that's all included in the price. So we don't have separate shipping charges. So that's it. Mm -hmm. And afterwards he was like, babe, I think I lost us the bid. I should have offered less. And I was like, no, I think you oh, did good. We, we did the numbers. That's what it's worth to pay for our people to get gas, having a contract, that we lose money on is not worth anything. And then two weeks later, we find out we got it. Even though we stood our ground, I'm just like, ah, that's amazing. Oh, good. I'm so glad. So yeah, we, we yeah. celebrate those big ones, but good. all of the little things that we've oh. done yeah. are freaking big. They are because they all stack up. Yeah. Right? We like to tell our clients to stack your wins like pancakes, right? And so whatever that is, right, it could be post-it notes, like stack them all up because when they stack up, they stack up. And mm -hmm. it's like one win is like, oh, okay, yeah, great, okay. That's fine. But 
like we actually stack it and like we have over here i know our listeners won't be able to see but you can probably hear um i have a very big uh income tracker mm -hmm. and it has our goal for the month and it's one of the big ripoff post-it notes you put it up there and every time i make a sale we you know it's it's like one of those uh thermometer things yeah. with the fundraisers right and we cross it off we fill it in we write down the name of the person we write down who sold it me or jack and then we actually have an old antique brass bell out in the kitchen we run out there and we ring the bell and oh, we're so awesome. really exciting because you know we do we make it a big thing for every sale we do because it's like they stack up and then in our personal life whenever it's like a win what I love about my husband Jack is he's so goofy and like I need that in my life because I was so serious for so long and so whenever I do something little like really little he's like babe that was amazing and I'm like okay thanks <laughs> you know and it does it makes me feel great thank our you big me. thing trying to work through money wounding, which is a lot bigger than I thought it was. Yeah. Anytime we find money, literally walking on the sidewalk, pick up a penny, we yell out, I'm a money magnet. I love that. <laughs> Celebrate every penny we take in. That's so good. I love it. See, because life is short. And life is tough. And then you throw in a worldwide pandemic. And then you throw in haters. And then you throw in like long days and sleepless nights. You could be. And then cranky. you throw in kids. And then you and throw then in you kids. <laughs> yeah. You could be cranky and you could be upset. And you could, or you could just celebrate little things, right? Mm -hmm. And then it just makes it a little bit more fun, you know? Yep. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I love it. Love it. Love it. Speaking of fun. You now are more restful and relaxing, and I'm assuming you have more fun. So what do, do you fun. do for fun? I do have a lot more fun nowadays. Um, I bought a hammock uh, in the spring when I got sick, and I spend so much time in a hammock. When was the last time you've been in a hammock? Girl, we have two. You have two? Yeah. Are they amazing? Amazing. We have I... one that has the bar so we can move uh -huh. it around anywhere. Mm -hmm. And then we have an old fashioned tie it to the trees. I have not been in a hammock in like since I was a kid. And then out of just nowhere, because I don't have a pool, I don't have a hot tub, I don't have any of those things. And I'm just like, man, I need to rest and relax. Got a hammock and it, I don't know what it was. It was just there's something about rocking and being in nature and I'd like release some pressure on my back too just being in it i'm like oh man this is so nice so i do spend i spend a lot of time in the hammock these days i'm really not looking forward to the winter when i can't be in it um but bring it indoors i know i might they I might they have time. like they're pretty inexpensive on amazon and you oh. that's what we have for one of them i might just be on that one in my porch just like bundled up in like a blanket and be like give me some hot cocoa um <laughs> But so I do spend some time in the hammock. Um, I listen to some audiobooks. Um, I talk to my friends on Marco Polo. Um, that's a big part of my life. Um, and then Jack and I hang out. Like we just spend a lot of time. We never stop talking. Um, we always in the morning we cuddle together and then we cuddle our cat and we're goobers. But yeah, that's that's what we do. And I just really have been living an intentional life recently. Uh, like I talked about earlier about being like a passive member of my life. I've just feel like I've gained my life again. So yeah. every moment, like right now with you, like I haven't checked my phone. I haven't, you know, and that's what I do when I'm with Jack. I don't pick up my phone anymore when I'm with my family. I'm just really trying to live in the moment because I've spent so much of my life either regretting the past or hoping for the future or just wishing I wasn't here. And so I'm just really enjoying life right now. Yeah, that's awesome. And I did hear you say that you have date night on Friday. Ours I is know. Tuesday. I know. So that's it tomorrow. Is. What are you doing tomorrow? Wait, is it tomorrow? Today's Tuesday. It yeah, is. Tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> um, we plan it day of. Okay, same with us. Same with us. Yeah. Yeah, because I don't want to say I want to go see this movie, and then tomorrow I'm like, Good I've been on my butt all day. Yeah. I'm not committing to this movie. You know, <laughs> you know, I'm not going because I said I would. Yeah. So yeah, Good. last minute, we'll figure it out probably 10 minutes before we leave the house or sometimes on the drive. Okay. Well, what was your favorite date night in the last year? <sighs> if you say the Pets movie, I'm going to be upset. <laughs> Super Pets? <laughs> 
No, that was a good date. But no, actually, I think it was our googly eye date. Yeah? Yeah. Where we went, we have the little uh, poster putty. Yeah. And googly eyes. Uh And we, it was before we were buying the dry cleaner laundromat. So we went and looked at every laundromat and we googly eyed them. And we did it because it was a harmless vandalism. And we that. did it to the one we ended up buying, and the eyes are still there. I love it. <laughs> oh, that's a good one. But we also went to the park and did it on the trash cans, and like there's little little statues hidden. So like, put a big old googly eye on a little bird. That's one of my favorite ones, and that's our cheapest date we've ever been on. We got everything at the dollar store. <laughs> I love that. The dollar store's the best. Oh, it that. is. You should see how many Halloween decorations I bought. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. Amazing. Good. What's been your favorite date? And I might steal the idea. Yeah. So we live in the middle of nowhere again, so we don't have a lot of places to go or we have to drive. So Mm -hmm. um, a town about an hour away from us has first Fridays. And so what that is, is that the um, all the shops, they open till nine and they have vendors on the street and all this other stuff. So we like to do, and food trucks. So we like to do that. That's a fun one. Um, and then we also went ax throwing and that was really fun. Have you ever been? Girl, I went and dislocated my shoulder because <gasps> I didn't listen to the ax throwing instructor oh. and I'm still recovering. So it, I'm so sorry. No, we had an <laughs> absolute blast. And she's a friend of mine. So I messaged her and I was like, I know I told you I'd come back and I will, but literally still recovering because I was like, remember when you told me not to throw my arm like that? Yeah. I dislocated my shoulder. Oh, I, I really, it was exhausting. It really is tiring. I couldn't believe it. I had to sit down halfway through, um, just because I was recovering and stuff like that. But, um, Jack was really good. He was like, the guy was like, do you want to join the team? (laughs) That's what Nick said. And I was like, yes, we will. No, I can't. I got it. I'm I'm just now able in the last, I think it's been a month and a half. I've been able to lift weights again. And that happened in January. It was was my fault because I walked around with a dislocated shoulder for almost a month. Girl. See, you gotta, you gotta take care of yourself first. I know. First. I know. That's I'm, okay. You're, we're learning. We didn't know. We that. are learning. Yes. And yeah. I didn't know that if you don't move your shoulder for a month, you lose almost all of the muscle in it. I didn't know that. Yeah. Oh That's why it's taken so long because I couldn't lift a weight. I just had to do physical therapy and blah, blah, blah. But I'm, I'm to the point where I'm lifting as much as I was before. So good recovered but I want to be in better shape so I don't do it again <laughs> I get that well good yeah. awesome where can listeners find you you can find me everywhere on the internet um I have everywhere <laughs> only feet no <laughs> <laughs> okay not everywhere um but you can find <laughs> me on most main channels um so on TikTok, my TikTok handle is Kara Denison, S-P-H-R. Um, you can find me on Instagram. My Instagram is Optimized Career Solutions, which is my business name. Um, on LinkedIn, you can find me Kara Denison, S-P-H-R. If you're on LinkedIn and you're potentially uh, in a job search, feel free to connect with me, send me a message, tell me you heard me on this podcast. Um and then if you want to check out my website, it's optimizedcareersolutions.com. And then we have free consultations. So either 30-minute consultations if you're interested in your resume and LinkedIn getting optimized, or if you're interested in our coaching program, we have 60-minute free consultations with either myself or Jack. So the link for that is getstarted.optimizedcareersolutions.com. Awesome. So a lot of places. Now, of now places. I get it. <laughs> well, that's everything I have for you. Did you you have anything for me or just thank you so much for having me on. I've been so excited to come on here. I love your show and I can't wait to, you know, promote it everywhere. Thank you so much. Yeah. Thank you. All right, Kara. I appreciate this time so much and you have a great evening. Thank you. You too. Bye. Oh my gosh, thank you so much for listening today. I hope you had as much fun as I did. If you liked this, please rate, review, and subscribe to ensure that you can more easily find me in the future. Thank you again. Bye.